I just slipped through an exam and you're listening to a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. We've now got Professor Alan Renwick from Lincoln University talking to us today about how, how climate change exasperates vulnerabilities in New Zealand's food systems. Hi Alan, how are you? Uh, hi, I'm great today, thank you. Hope you're good too. Yeah, I'm great, thank you. So what current issues exist in our national food supply system? Well, there's a, there's a range of challenges, I guess. And again, this is probably why we like to think of it as a, a food system. Um, one of the things we've seen over this winter particularly, and we all know we've had a, a pretty uh, rough winter, particularly in uh, the North Island, is there has been quite a lot of interruptions to uh, our food supply chain. And for example, the end of um, June, you know, Countdown sent out an email to customers warning them there was going to be shortages of supply and clearly with Cyclone Gabrielle hitting some of our main horticultural areas we've we've had a lot of challenges and what and one of the things I think you know the questions we're sort of asking is have we just been unlucky this year or is it sort of a sign of perhaps more underlying vulnerabilities in our food production and distribution uh, system and so really we re- we realize now and we think about climate change and there's been work globally showing that these shocks are occurring more frequently and more violently and this kind of just raises the question do we need to you know reflect a bit more about how we grow and distribute food in new zealand mm. so how might issues of climate change affect the system so really um, if we look actual projections of climate change for, for New Zealand, for example, they, they kind of almost look a bit benign in, on average in terms of changes in temperature and rainfall. But it's really these, uh, the increasing severity and frequency of shocks that can really hit us. And, and Cyclone Gabriel obviously was a very extreme example of that, but we obviously had the Auckland floods um, during, during the year. And, and I think, you know, again, Given the nature of New Zealand, we are very vulnerable to these sorts of um, circumstances. We, you know, our t- topography, our limited road networks, all these things um, kind of work against us in terms of being resilient to these shocks. And, and you know, our system has been working well for us in, in some ways in distributing food and things, but it was perhaps set up in a time when these shocks were less frequent and less violent. And I think that's going to be the challenge for us, thinking about uh, our food system in light of these changes. In regards to our food system and then transportation around the food across um, the country, is there a reason why we are so independent on the roads? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting in question. You know, as I said, we found that 93% of uh, road freight goes by by road, and this is higher than countries perhaps than uh, Germany, where it's seventy two percent. And again, maybe this partly a relationship of the nature of our, our um, country. You know, we're a long, thin island, we're quite sparsely populated. But really, I think this is, has also been you know a result of decisions made about not investing in our railways not maybe looking at waterways more as well and relying on roads as a way to, um, as the main freight route. I mean, and again, of course, that gives us other challenges as well because, you know, it's relatively high emissions, other, you know, leading to problems with climate change as well. So not only are they under threat by climate change, our road network, but they're also, you know, it's a high 
carbon intense way to move things about. So it's a kind of double problem for us there. Mm. What two methods have you proposed might prove beneficial to this problem? The two things we kind of talked a bit about, and and again, it's very much, I guess, my opinion, and and we probably need to do, uh, and one of the things I think I was thinking about is that we need to do more research to understand. And one is one that's been talked about quite a lot in New Zealand, and people have been talking about this for longer than me, about really developing sort of more local food networks and making us less reliant on food coming in and out of our regions, but actually being more more networked and we can see that in Southland and in Timaru for example you know in most regions a high proportion of our food is shipped in and shipped out and relatively little stays in there so the idea of food networks is you know producing a more diverse array of foods in our local areas having more connections between between people you know partly we could talk about you know farmers market or box schemes but really making it so that the individual regions are a little bit more resilient you know if the bridges are cut off we're still able to move to move food around and there's lots of work i mean queen uh, queenstown district council have been looking at you know developing understanding their food network more or the other way is really thinking about you know the way our system has grown is really trying to take uh, advantage of scale and specialization. You know, New Zealand's a huge agricultural producing country. We export 80% of what we produce. We do have advantage of scale and specialization. You know, Hawke's Bay is, you know, has great environment and soils, mm-hmm. etc., to grow um, horticultural crops. It kind of makes sense in one way for them to grow them there. But then we need to think about how we can distribute that around the country to reduce some of this uh, vulnerability. So it is thinking about, you know, do we need to spend some more time thinking about our rail network, for example? Again, we only move 6% of our freight by rail. Really, it's a much lower, could be a much lower carbon, maybe a more secure route. Although, again, some of our network is a threat from, obviously, we've seen it with earthquakes, but also sea level rise. And again, maybe one of the things we talked about is, you know, do you go back to the past when really the waterways were the main routes through New Zealand when um, people first first arrived? We're not really making much use of those in terms of moving freight around. In 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 the in our coastal waterways, we're only moving very, you know, I think we're using bulk fertilizer, bulk cement. We're not using it for perhaps as much as we we could and maybe that's one way to reduce the vulnerability that we have in our in our road system. Mm. What region would you say would be the most impacted by the current issues that exist in our national food supply system? Oh it's it's tricky I mean (laughs) clearly we've seen um, some I think in one way the North Island seems to have been bearing the brunt of some of these uh, climatic changes so that that's having a major impact in terms of what they can produce and, and huge losses that they will be having this year. Um, but I guess it's, you know, again, some of the more remote regions, mm. more reliant on bringing food in, and maybe that's, you know, getting near the bottom of the South Island or maybe the West Coast, these sorts of places where they're very, you know, they're reliant on very few roads to get in, perhaps are, are most, most vulnerable. Um, but again, it's it's a tricky balance between, you know, losing some of our advantage of scale and specialization. If you think, you know, 
one of the things I was talking about last week is there's this call globally to diversify where we produce and what we produce, but it's quite tricky to think how that actually works at a local scale mm. because you know growers are going to produce what's most profitable for them. You know they need to make money. Um, so how how does diversifying compare with our dairy or our beef or our other crops? You know you don't suddenly decide right today I'm going to diversify and the region decides. It's the people growing the crops, etc., animals that have that decision. So how do you know how do market signals help us move there, or, or is there a role for government intervening to try and nudge us in the right direction? Mm. And then finally, how might such issues impact on university students' livelihoods and health? Um, I guess, well, I guess, uh, as any student realizes, I guess our food's pretty expensive yeah. <laughs> at the moment. And so, uh, I, and interesting, one of my students in my class, I was talking about this issue in my, in my food policy class the other day. And he said, yeah, I, I really can't afford to eat many fruits and vegetables at the moment. The price is too high. The junk food is cheaper. And that's really concerning, mm. I think, that, that, you know, we're getting into patterns of unhealthy eating because of relative costs of different foods in a country where, like ours, where we have abundant land and we should really be able to, to help. So I, I think that, you know, that's a challenge for us longer term with our health um, as well. So, you know, what we would like to see is, a, you know, a, a, you know, a network of healthy food production um, that maybe influence students. But then, of course, um, I guess it's also about what sort of career students want afterwards. Mm. You know, ag agri-food sector is a very important part of our economy. You know, agriculture and and forestry adds 7% of our value added in New Zealand. And this is way higher than the, than the average in OECD countries, which is only 2%. So it's still, and that's not taking into account the manufacturing and processing and stuff. So I think there's lots of opportunities in a sense, students in the future, when they leave, to think about a career in the sector and how they can actually engender change in this to, to more sustainable systems for us. That was a Radio 1 91FM podcast, but find more at r1.co.nz.